Our unison reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. It's a rich passage that reminds us that when we confess our sins and turn from them, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and through the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from those sins. And in the context, the point that John is making is that when we do this and when we have this cleansing, we enjoy renewed fellowship with God. And that's sort of the way that John is framing this whole passage. John is teaching us in this passage how we can have fellowship with God and in fellowship with God have fullness of joy. In fact, this is how John opens his letter. He opens the letter with the big idea of fellowship with God in verse 3 and 4. He says this, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you, that's of course concerning Jesus Christ, that you also may have fellowship with us And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so his whole concern here is fellowship with God, with the Father, and with the Son, a Trinitarian fellowship. And he says in verse 4, And these things we write to you so that your joy might be full, because there is only fullness of joy in fellowship with the Father and with His Son. Now this raises the important question of how do we have fellowship with God? And this is the question that John is answering in this place. How can sinners, how can people such as we who deserve condemnation, we deserve for God to be at war with us, enmity against us, for our enmity against him, we deserve condemnation. We deserve to be put out of his presence and rejected by him. How can people like us, sinners, have fellowship with God. And so in verse 5, he begins with the answer to this question, and he makes a very important statement here that we need to make sure we understand properly. And he says this, this is the message that we have heard from him, from God himself, through his son Jesus Christ, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now in some ways, what John is touching on here is that God is holy. (laughs) He is light, he is pure, he is morally pure, And the question of how sinners can be in fellowship with him is a very pressing question because of God's holiness. But we want to make sure that we understand what John is saying here. And this is very important in the context, I believe. We need to understand and be careful to understand that what John means here and when he speaks about holiness, when he's talking about God's holiness, when he uses this metaphor of light, he is especially referring to the idea that God is full of truth. He is holy and he is pure In the truth, God speaks the truth and God lives in the truth and God demands that we speak and live in the truth, that we are holy. Not not necessarily John is talking about here a legalistic or a moralistic sense, but holiness in the truth. We must confess the truth and we must live lives that are true to what God has revealed to us in his word in the truth. And the truth that God has revealed to us, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, is that we are sinners before him, and we are in need of daily cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the truth uh, that God is and that we must walk in. And so in verse 6, John warns us that if we ignore our sins, or we pretend that we have no sin, or that our sins are not important, or they're not that bad, We have no fellowship with God. Look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we walk according to a lie. We do not walk according to the truth. We lie and do not practice the truth. 
And this is our tendency. This is the reason John is bringing this to our attention, because this is our tendency. Our tendency is to minimize the importance of our sin or to downplay it or to ignore it or to ignore our need for daily cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. And John is very emphatic here. When we live like this, we are denying the gospel we say that we believe. We do not have fellowship with God when we are walking in unconfessed, unrepentant sin. We lie and we do not practice the truth. But in verse 7, he assures us. But if we walk in the light, if we walk in the truth, as he is in the truth, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And let's be clear just really momentarily here. Let me make this point. John doesn't necessarily mean that we have fellowship with, with each other. He means we have fellowship one another. Who's his referent? The Father and the Son. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another, with the Father and the Son. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, indeed cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the light, when we are confessing our sin and turning from our sin and receiving the forgiveness that God freely offers, we have the assurance that we have fellowship with God. And and if we have fellowship with God, we have fullness of joy. And we have this through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. And so he repeats this point again in verse 8 and 9. He says the same thing essentially again. If we ignore sin, we have no fellowship with God. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth, the light, is not in us. But if when we sin and confess our sins, he says to us here in verse 9, then we can have certain assurance that we have cleansing. And if we have cleansing, then we have fellowship. And if we have fellowship, we have joy. This is what the promise is in verse 9. If we confess our sins, and confession includes the idea of turning from those sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. So you see how he's underlining this point. If we, ref- if we ignore our sins or minimize it, we do not have fellowship with God. But if we confess our sins and we turn from those sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And we have cleansing and we have fellowship with God and we have fullness of joy in him. And so John presses the warning again back in verse 10. It's, it's interesting to me how John, how his mind works. He's very, he's somewhat circular. He's He works as kind of a spiral pattern. He hits a point, he hits it again, he hits it again. So he presses again the warning in verse 10. He comes back to it. And he really wants to underline it. When we fail to confess our sins or to turn from our sins, this is more uh, than an innocent ignorance or ignoring of God. It's not passive. It's not merely passive. It's not neutral. It is active, positive, opposition to God and to his gospel. This is a very serious matter when we fail to confess our sins and to acknowledge them before the Lord and to receive the cleansing that he provides. Look at verse 10. Look at how John puts this. He's warning us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Right? See, this isn't just an ignorance or an ignoring. It's not neutral. It's open opposition to God. We call him a liar and his word is not in us. We have to begin to question ourselves. We have to begin to examine ourselves, John is saying, as to whether or not we're really even Christians if we're not willing to confess and turn from our sins because this is what the gospel 
is all about. So he gives a very severe warning there, very helpful for us, a reminder to us. John's purpose here, of course, is not to discourage us or to bring us to despair, but it's to encourage us. It's to remind us how important this idea is that we confess our sins and that we receive the forgiveness that God freely offers in the Lord Jesus through his blood. So John's point here is to encourage us. It's to encourage us to keep confessing our sins, to keep going back to the Lord daily and confessing our particular sins particularly, and to receiving the cleansing that he freely provides and to seek to turn from those sins. John, the apostle, wants us to walk in the light. He wants us to have fellowship with God. He wants us to have the fullness of joy that comes through fellowship with God. And so he's encouraging us, and he encourages us in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He attaches this rich encouragement by reminding us that when we sin, even when we fail to confess our sins, as he's just been talking about, and we turn, we have cleansing in Jesus Christ. We have an advocate who pleads for us when we sin against the Father. And notice how he puts this in verse 1 of chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you might not sin. I'm encouraging you to confess your sin and turn from it. But if you failed to do this or you haven't been doing it or you've fallen back into a sin again, let me encourage you, John is saying to you, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate as someone who pleads another's case. We have someone to plead our case for us before the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation of our sins. He is the plea before the Father. He himself is. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, this is a packed uh, two verses, but let me just make a few comments on it. Jesus is your advocate. If you put your trust in him, he brings your case before the Father, before, as it were, the courtroom of God, before the judge. One commentator puts it like this. Jesus Christ brings our case before the Father in our place. And that means two things. The first thing that Jesus does is he comes to the courtroom right into the presence of God the Father and he acknowledges our guilt. That's the first thing he does. He says the defendant is here. The defendant is guilty. (laughs) He has in fact broken your law. He has sinned. He has fallen short of your glory. He deserves to die and be condemned. But I have something that will plead for him as an advocate. That's what Jesus is doing in that courtroom. And he says, I have my own blood and righteousness. You can't condemn him because I've already taken the condemnation in his place. I present before the court my once and for all sacrifice, my blood. And Jesus is our advocate, and he pleads for us in this way. And then he pleads before us by his own righteousness. Not only can you not condemn him, but you must reward the defendant in the courtroom today. (laughs) Because I present to you my own righteousness, which earns everlasting life for my client. And so Jesus is our advocate. So when we sin, John is saying, even when we've uh, fallen into this routine of, of not confessing our sin as we should, and our fellowship with God is broken, and we're not walking in the light like we should... When we confess that sin and we come to the Lord uh, seeking to turn from that sin, we have this confidence that Jesus Christ pleads our case for us. He pleads our guilt and then he pleads his own blood and righteousness to cover that guilt. And we have, through Jesus Christ, through his propitiating blood, through his righteousness, restored fellowship with God. And if we have restored fellowship with God, then we have fullness of joy. This is the point that John is making in this passage it's a rich passage now john doesn't just stop there look at the very end of verse two he's encouraging us he's going to add encouragement upon encouragement he reminds us that christ's blood which pleads for us is more than sufficient to plead for us that's the point that he's making there at the end of verse two he says and he himself 
is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So John is saying this in order to encourage us. The point is that Jesus' blood is able to cover the sins of the whole world. He's, he, Jesus is willing to plead the case for the whole world. <clears throat> now, if Jesus' blood can cover the sins of the whole world, then Jesus' blood can certainly cover your sins. He pleads for you. It's sufficient. It's more than enough. And if Jesus is willing to plead the case for the whole world, then he's certainly willing to plead the case for you. So he reminds us there that Jesus' blood is sufficient, not just for our ours, our sins, but indeed for the whole world in order to encourage us and strengthen us in this idea that Christ's blood avails for us. So as we go to prayer this morning, let us remember that if we confess and turn from our sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, and we receive the cleansing of sins, and we walk in the light, and we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, and we have fullness of joy.